0: I want to turn in your Bible to uh, the book of Hebrews, and we will uh, be there in just a moment. As Clark mentioned, uh, I spent what uh, an hour, or so hour yesterday. I think with your elders early in the morning, and then uh, most of the day with uh, your search group, and uh, basically kind of laying out. Uh, Process that a lot of churches use all over the country, and uh, anyway, I was asked to do that, and all I want to do is be helpful, and hopefully that was helpful yesterday, and maybe this will be helpful today. Um, A long time ago, long, long time ago, I was like here, but not here. I was like here with this congregation, but in another building, and. Loved this city from a, from a long time ago, and it's been fun to be here. I've been I've been in Kansas City one time in the last uh, twenty five years, I guess, something like that. And that was my son in law played basketball. Our son in law at uh, Mid America Nazarene College, and he's six ten. Married to our young daughter. And uh, anyway we were like he and his team were inducted into their hall of fame one evening and we came to see all that anyway so that's the, that's the last time I was here that's four or five years ago so I'm glad to be here I'm glad to see little kids who have grown up and uh, I saw a few of them uh, from that I knew years ago and then some of you that I've known for a long time and got to meet uh, other folks for the first time um, What I want to do is work through, I want to touch on a a portion of Hebrews, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a search process and a way a lot of churches are coming at this. Um, Let me tell you, first of all, a little bit about what I do now. I preach uh, in churches like this one for 38 years, and the last 20 were in Waco, Texas. And uh, worked with, you know, you, just a variety of elders and a variety of deacons during those 20 years. And then uh, three and a half years ago, went to work at Harding School of Theology. If you're familiar with Harding University, which is in Searcy, Arkansas, it's a school of almost 7,000 students. We, we are like a seminary a hundred miles away, but we're not in Searcy. We're in Memphis, been there 58 years. Most of the students who go to uh, Harding School of Theology are people who plan to preach, people who plan to do some kind of other ministry, uh, church planning missions, uh, some counseling, uh, campus ministers, and then uh, there are people, business people, who are coming uh, at at night just to grow and learn, some elders who do that. Anyway, I've been there for three and a half years. And a lot of my work is uh, just dealing with the day-to-day operations of the school and, and interacting with students. And then on weekends, I'm often preaching somewhere like this. And I do a lot of work with elders and ministers and seminars. So, that's enough about me. Um, in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 1, I like the book of Hebrews because uh, it's written to a people who uh, I think we can kind of identify with. They had uh, become Christians. They were serving the Lord. And they just kind of got worn out. Just tired. My mother's from Arkansas. And she would, her, her expression is plum tuckered out. And I heard that growing up, and I still think that when I think of being real tired. But these Christians have just gotten tired. Tired. And I think we identify with that because uh, life is that way. Life's tough. I mean, you go through seasons of life where sometimes things are going really, really Well. You go through seasons of life that just are exhausting. Uh, we went, you know, we we we're like you. Charlotte and I are like you. We've we've experienced a, a life where we've dealt with the death of our parents, uh, a daughter who went through a very painful divorce, uh, just you know, just just the mess of life, and. You you, you just need encouragement when you go through that stuff. And then sometimes entire churches or just congregations are just tired for whatever reason. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I want to just flip through a a few pages in Hebrews to give you a feel for this, and then we will land at the 12th chapter. Uh, in chapter 2 verse 1 he says we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away think of being on a boat maybe you're fishing and you kind of got wrapped up in what you were doing you began to sort of drift away from the spot where you had intended to fish okay some will identify with that some of you not at all but let's move on then uh, look at Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Fallen short of it. Uh, verse chapter six, verse twelve. We do not want you to become lazy, drifting, falling short lazy we're about to wrap this up before we get to twelve chapter ten verse twenty five this will be familiar to you a lot of you Uh, he refers to some people uh, or admonishes people to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing become lazy, fall short drift, finally get to the point where you begin to just disengage from other beliefs. and then finally chapter 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Wow, you can get to the place in all of this, in just, just your walk with the Lord, where you just, you just don't know if you can, you can go on. You just, uh, to use his words, you, you begin to, to grow weary and lose heart and become discouraged. It's where, uh, I, and I said these words to Charlotte one time at a point where I was pretty discouraged, I remember walking into the kitchen and I said to her, What's the use? What's the use? What's the use? And so, the, the, you know, I, I mean, maybe you identify with this, maybe you don't. I suspect most of us do. It's just tough sometimes to be a congregation, it's just tough sometimes to be a priest. It's just tough sometimes to go to work and, and just do the right thing. It's just tough sometimes. And so what he's done in the book of Hebrews is he's encouraging us all, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your walk with God. Um, a couple of things he says to us. Chapter 1, he says, you know, remember, that you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. This is really helpful, I think. I'm assuming that you know people that you have admired, whose faith you've admired, and they've passed passed on. They've died and they're now with the Lord. There is this sense in which they are a great cloud of witnesses for us all. My father-in-law was like that. I'll mention him later, probably. My father-in-law was like that. I, he was one of the greatest encouragers of my life, Charles' dad. I think about him sometimes when I am prone to be, or when I become discouraged and dependent. And I think about how he would want me to continue on my life. And you probably know people like that. There's a there's a sense in which there's this great cloud of witness he reminds us, he said, you know, in terms of your own discouragement, um, make sure you throw off anything that's sinful. That's, this is still verse 1. Be sure you throw off anything that's sinful, anything that can trip you up. Um, sometimes it's, it's easy to get to go in the wrong direction. And and then finally, he says, I want you, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, when all is said and done, the the thing that keeps us going is Him. Jesus is the one who keeps us going. If Jesus Jesus and the Father and the Spirit were not a part of the mix of life, why in the world would you do this? You know, if Jesus did not die for you and, and rose again, why in the world? Would you would you attempt to live as a Christian? That's our story, isn't it? That he that he lived and he died and he rose again and he ascended on high. It is our reason doing what we do and being who we are. It is the reason. Okay. Now, what I want to do is to walk through walk with you through uh, one, two, three, four four scenarios that churches. Uh, and, and these are all churches that I am, am familiar with or was familiar with and uh, then I want to talk a little bit about mo- what it means to move move ahead in, in some sort of search process like this here's the story of four tired churches Okay, if I don't wear you out by the fourth one you let me know I'll work on a fifth Congregation A, they're tired. They've tried all kinds of programs and methods. They've gone up and down. The congregation nostalgically longs for the good old days. This is a congregation, um, if you get together with them, they can tell you of those years when things seemed really good. Okay? And they talk about the years when things were really going well. That's, that's Congregation A. Here's Congregation B. They're an anxious group. I don't know what you do when you're anxious. Um, what I tend to do sometimes is I'll do this with my hands in the office when I feel myself getting a little bit anxious. I'll, I mean, literally physically, kind of do this a little bit. I don't know what you do when you're anxious. Some of us do the 3 o'clock in the morning deal where you wake up and you just you just do a good worry. Don't anybody know how to do that? Uh, we, we lived in central Texas for 20 years and of course they, our kids were raised there and I remember in those high school years uh, there were these seasons when we were, when we were just concerned about either one of our girls you know, concerned about who, the, who their friends are concerned about this knucklehead boy that she seems to like you know and I remember 3 o'clock in the morning we had here was if this is our kitchen right here, okay. Then it kind of connected to a dining room, and I remember at three o'clock in the morning with my hands folded, just walking up and down this thing, just praying, praying for the daughter, praying uh, about that knucklehead boy, praying about you know this girlfriend that the daughter's hanging out with, and just praying for the. Some of you have done that. And you just you know you, you worry a little bit and you pray, you worry a little bit and you pray. All right. This particular church—they're an anxious bunch. They look for what's missing. They look at other churches that seem to be doing so well, and they say, you know, why can't why can't we be more like those churches? Here's congregational congregation C. They're an extremely busy church. Much is going on, but sometimes the treadmill is so fast people feel like they can hardly keep up there's a lot going on but not a lot of joy in that church and others have noticed that they're tremendously busy but they don't seem to be very attentive to becoming more like Jesus and then finally congregation D they've long forgotten their mission members leave, morale is low congregation on and on and on. Um, I'm spending one weekend a month with uh, a, a different congregation. Uh, what I'm doing in that weekend is I'm basically uh, doing some training and encouraging of ministers and elders in usually a retreat setting, something like that. So in the last Eight months, I've been with about eight, nine different congregations like that. It's been once a month, okay? And, and it's an interesting thing to do because, uh, you know, this might be in Montana or this might be, last weekend it was East Texas, and it, and, and, and I'll walk into this setting and here's this group of elders Sometimes it's elders and their spouses, and sometimes it's ministers and spouses. And here, are all these people, and I'm with them usually Friday evening, uh, all day Saturday, and then I'm usually preaching Sunday morning. Every congregation has this different feel. It's a different. It's just like a different snapshot. Uh, they have a different story. Uh, they have a different. Uh, way it coming at things, uh, different things they're working on. But the one thing that they all have come up is that they really are trying to figure out how to be the people they've been called. And I, I just, I, I haven't been with a group yet where I didn't sense this genuine. And yet the truth is No matter who they are No matter where they are There are times when you, you, you regroup And you remember again who you are It's like going back to Hebrews And, and just, just kind of standing back And just listening to the, what he says to them of These little snippets Where you, you can pick up pretty quickly This is a discouraged bunch And then finally you get to chapter 12 and he says, what I want you to do is I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. And I want you to do, basically, I want you to do that together. Um, I was asked to come in and talk about uh, a search process. That sounds a little mechanical even the way I'm saying. The truth is, um, whether we're talking about a search process whether we're talking about next steps for finding whatever kind of minister, whether we're talking about uh, working on relationships uh, among church leaders or among church members or whatever it is, and, and again, every congregation has something to work. The truth is, that our basic and fundamental, our basic fundamental. Place of unity is the Lord Jesus, and our job—one of the things we do as Christian people—is we are called to protect them. To protect. Them. It's just like in our homes when the kids were growing up, and you know, we—I remember our girls. We'd all be at home, and uh, you know, we're, we're going to go out to eat. This is Central Texas. I can tell you that one of the first suggestions is, let's go eat Mexican food. And then somebody turns up their nose at Mexican food, and somebody says, let's go eat fish. And then somebody else wants a burger. Is there anything wrong with burger, Mexican food, or fish? No. It's just that we can't do all of them at Um... You know, now we, we can try to just be all over the place. Maybe we could go to some place that's got combination fixed fish and Mexican. And, you know, we, and, and do it all, you know. You can try to do that, but some of that is just avoiding making a decision. And there are just times when I would have to say, or, or mama would say, you know, let's eat Mexican tonight and burgers next week and fish, whatever. You just finally have to decide. And one of the things we do as a church is we just recognize that, that we're, we're just all different folks. We're in different places in life, and we have to look out for one another. Let's talk for, one, for a moment about the search process. And it's with that spirit of understanding that there's a sense in which we do this as a congregation, even though there are different roles for different people. Um, I'm in this kind of odd place right now because uh, I've been on the other end of search processes for ministers several times, and it's just an interesting place to be. Um, And and the older you are, uh, and you can see the gray hair that used to be brown years ago, the older you are, the more likely you are, if you're a, a preacher or a minister, to have been involved in these search processes somewhat. So what I said to the search committee yesterday and to the elders, uh, I, I, and I hope it was helpful, is, is to share some experiences that come from a person that's been through these a number of times, or several times. And then the other situation I'm kind of in right now is that I'm, I'm walking beside a number of young ministers who are being interviewed and who, uh, you know, are talking to church, and so that's just interesting. Um, a couple of things I suggested yesterday, and this is the way I, this is the way I, I was talking to both your elders and the search committee. When I talk to a congregation, part of what I try to do is look out for the whole congregation. I mean, we've got married folks here, single folks here, uh, older folks here who I will not look at and because uh, I don't want to make a suggestion there but you know you know who you are. Uh, we, we've got younger folks here. Those are some of those are easy to spot.'ve got we've got, uh, we've got uh, just, just this mix of folks. I'm guessing we probably have Christians that are fairly new. We have other people that have walked with the Lord for a decade. we got folks that come to church on Sunday morning, and you've got a boatload of stuff going on in your life. And I, I don't even know you well enough to know what that is. I just know people. And there are some of you who have a boatload of mess going on. Maybe marriage, maybe family, maybe kids, maybe, maybe job. We've got that going on. And, and we, there's a sense in which anytime time we do a search, we're looking out for everybody. Looking out for everybody. We're not just doing Mexican food, burgers, or fish. We're looking out for the whole group, okay? A couple of things I suggested. One is to basically formulate a congregational assessment. Uh, and, and this this will help uh, possible possible uh, candidates. And you need something of the church's history and a, and a snapshot of the church today. Um, I know we want to get all cleaned up before we take a snapshot. You know, we're living in an age where everybody's got a camera now, and you, you, you know, doesn't matter hardly doesn't matter what you're doing. Somebody's going to pull their camera up, and there's a part of you that wants to go wait 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 I'm not ready. Well, churches are like that sometimes. We want to, you know, wait, 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 we're not ready. Uh, But like it or not, candidates kind of have to know who you are. Who you are doesn't mean you're going to stay the same. Doesn't mean that you're necessarily satisfied with today's snapshot. But whoever you're talking to, a prospective preacher, is going to have to know something about who you are. And the third thing I suggested was, was a leadership philosophy of the elders. Because even though you do have a search committee, and that's so important, it's helpful to the church and to the elders. Uh, you know, all these, whatever kind of minister comes in, uh, deals with your elders. And so to see at some sort of leadership what you're thinking, or what I'm calling your philosophy of leadership, that's pretty helpful. Um, I suggested that they formulate a minister profile. And this will involve everybody in the congregation. And it's where you get to say something about, and I'm I'm simplifying all this, okay? It's where you get to say something about, this is the kind of minister I think would be helpful for us right now. And you get to say something about what I see, what you see, our strengths and weaknesses as a congregation. And it's so important that uh, serious candidates see that get a feel for what you're thinking as a congregation I suggested that I suggested that communication is so important um, I, I said this to the elders and I said this to the search committee I'll say this to all of you typically in churches we greatly underestimate how well we're communicating that's not about you as a congregation in Kansas City that's about congregation period I have never in 38 years of preaching I have never had anybody come to me and say you know we just over communicate in this church y'all just communicate I've never had that happen what I have had happen is people asking questions about you know this and that we're assuming they know we made a statement two weeks ago and you know, didn't they hear? And we made the announcement, it's in the bulletin, and all those things. It, it, it is tough to communicate. I preached one time, uh, this was years ago when we were in Alabama. I did a this series, I think it was, I, I can't remember what it was the, or how it came at it, it would, but basically it was a long series that dealt with the precious mercy and grace of God may have been out of a book like Ephesians I don't remember but I remember we invited in this friend of mine and this friend of mine was, was going to speak to us in kind of a retreat setting as a church and he was there, I think it was a Friday night Saturday morning and he spoke out of Ephesians as I recall and, he, and it was just great I love what this guy does and so after this was over I saw this woman come up to him and, and she said it is so good to finally hear something on grace. And I thought, we just finished that entire series. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. Well, you know, years later, I kind of get that. Because it is hard to It is hard to communicate. And so one of the things that will be important for you as a church is to ask questions and communicate uh, and be important for the elders to communicate with you, the search committee to communicate with you, and I promise you're probably not going to over-communicate. Is that okay? So, so suggested that. Uh, suggested. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I suggested and recommended in terms of the candidate process. We, we judge what is normal in a church life Based on what? Typically, on our experiences. Okay, the church where I grew up, the church uh, that I've been a member of for years. Whatever they did, that's what's normal. I mean, right? Uh, if you're if your preacher always uh, dressed a certain way, that seems normal to you. For, well, don't preachers dress a certain? Well. You know, you were in that church for 40 years. I guess, you know, you kind of think. Um, there, there is a way that, that, that churches have selected preachers. That has, we, we've just buried on this. Sometimes it's just, you know, bringing people in and, and doing three and four weeks in a row where you've got families coming in and out. And churches have done that. Churches, uh, I'll tell you, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you how to select preachers. Uh, Timothy was based in Ephesus, evidently, for a number of years working with church in Ephesus. But there's no how-to for this. I'm going to tell you what a number of churches do right now. A number of churches right now are doing exactly what you're doing. They are, they have formed a, a search group. And by the way, I was real impressed with yours. Um, it, it's varied, uh, varied uh, in age and experience, who they are. And some of them fairly new here. Some of them have been here forever. It's pretty varied, and that's really good. Um, but churches will typically do that. And what these groups do is they don't select your preacher. They do the legwork. They work the process. This is involved. If you do it right, it's involved, and 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 they listen to sermons. Sometimes they'll go hear people preach. Sometimes, you know, they they're gathering information, they're doing all. Okay, and then what what elders will often do is they the search group will present. I'm, I'm pulling this, this number is used quite often, three. They'll, the, the, the search group will basically say, here are three names. We're really impressed, and here's why. And they'll go through the rationale with the elders. Here's why we're impressed with these three people. And then from there, the, the elders will begin to process it. because The elders will make the decision. They'll begin to to talk to these three people. Might bring in one on a Saturday or one on a Friday and Saturday and all that, Whatever your system is, churches do that a little differently. But the, anyway, they'll they'll begin to talk without that person preaching on a Sunday morning. There are several reasons for. Oh, let me keep continuing. And then uh, the elders will talk to that person. Usually, that person finally and the family. And then when it it seems like. Boy, there's this one person that's kind of bubbling up. And the search group, they're happy with all three. But there's one person in the elder's mind that's kind of bubbling up as, as kind of, you know, this is the person we're really interested in. It seems like a real possibility. There will be a Sunday when they'll invite that person in to preach. That family will come. Church will kind of be there, and they'll meet a lot of people. That is what is often done right now. Let me tell you an advantage of doing something like that that way. Um, the, the problem with just bringing a bunch of people into a church to preach is it really makes life difficult for these preachers. It's hard. Because here, for, for one thing, um, these preachers don't have that many, typically don't have that many Sundays to be away. I remember one time this church... Uh, Called me and they said, "Well, we'd like to talk to you. We're interested in you. Why don't you just come here and preach one Sunday?" Well, I wasn't sure if I was interested in that church or not. Even talking to them, and if I go there on a Sunday, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's second cousin from Waco is sitting there, and and the second cousin knows they're looking for a preacher. The second cousin calls her cousin in Waco and says, Well, your preacher was here this morning. Let me preach, and we're looking for a preacher. And I guess he's here to talk to the, you know, and maybe I'd be interested, maybe not, but you've now completely disrupted my whole, you know, situation. And it's so unnecessary. So unnecessary. When the families are involved and it's too premature. Then you got the kids thinking about, we're going to move to Kansas City. Well, we don't know if we'll ever see these people again, honey. Right? You know, you just, just it's a strange, strange thing. And so, what more and more churches have done is they're doing more of the legwork before Sunday morning, before you ever bring somebody in on Sunday morning. Does that make any sense? Now, the other reason for doing that, back in the old days, you hardly could know much about a potential preacher unless you you brought the person in But I mean you were doing good to hear a couple of tapes maybe you know maybe they'd send you a couple of tapes and you might have a couple of reference letters I'm going to tell you things are different today uh, you can have you can get more information about a preacher before you even meet Person. because everything's online uh in so many churches you can you can listen to that person's sermons from several years back you can pick you just a couple of Sundays out of that just to find out what does this person normally do and just listen you can listen to as much as you want you want to find out a little bit about that person's life and judgment go to Facebook and that's what a lot of search groups do. And they comb through Facebook, and they're looking at, and, and you say, well, that could be, you know, you might find out something that concerns you. Yeah, you might. And that's good to know that, you know. You also may find out that that person is posting trips of the mission trip to Honduras that you didn't know anything about. And lo and behold, this person has a real heart for missions in Honduras. Isn't it good to know that? And, and you can just find out all kinds of things. Um, and so what I'm getting at is one wonderful advantage today is that the possibility of finding out lots of information is there. It's just there. When I get a call, of, and I get reference calls a good bit, could you tell us something about this person? I'm amazed sometimes at how much information they already have. And, you know, they've they've talked to a person or two maybe or they've just gone through social media or they've looked at the church's website. That's another good place to look. Uh, But anyway, you can just find out a lot of information. Let me tell you the other side of this. So can that candidate. That candidate can find out more information about you as a congregation. Uh, It's pretty easy right now. Um, for one thing, uh, social media. Another thing, uh, all a candidate has to do is to go back and just listen to sermons from that church, listen to what's been going on, look around the website, see what seems to be emphasized, what seems to be stressed, um, and they do that. So it kind of goes both ways. The truth is, when you're, while, you're inter- while you're thinking about interviewing a candidate, ones with experience are coming to interview you as well and it's just an interesting place to be it's okay it's just an interesting place to be um, thank you for your patience for just a moment okay let me talk what time did we end five minutes ago four minutes Okay. Uh, I'm just here as a resource person I mean I, I just talk these days I talk with a lot of elders different churches I'm, I'm, I'm simply presenting to you and I'm presented to your elders presented to your search committee a way of coming at this you can you, you will do what you want to do, I've, but I've presented a way of doing this. Let me tell you two things about preachers. What you want to look for, and it, when all is said and done, here are two biggies. Number one is character. Character is huge. I do not care how many degrees a person has. don't care how much he supposedly knows or his vast experience. Character is non-negotiable. Uh, a person with integrity, a person uh, who is transparent, a person, uh, and, and you can learn about a person's character, but it is absolutely critical. It is critical for, for any church leader, but it's critical for the person who's going to preach, that that person be a person of high character. Because one thing I'm trying to do as a preacher, I'm trying to build high character people I preach to, right? And I have to be a person of character in order to do that. Not Anyway, just leave it at that. Number two, competency. Competency. A, a person may have a lot of experience. A person may have very little experience. But there needs to be some degree of competency. I can be a person of high character and not know what I'm doing and make an absolute mess of things. On the other hand, I can be a person that's fairly competent, but I can be a knucklehead. And I'm making a mess of things there. Does that make any sense? These two go together, character and competency. And both of those are really important. Um, i got about 60 seconds left. Let me do this one. Um, I said, "In I was in Montana uh, about four or five months ago. And I'd spoken to these elders and ministers and their spouses all day, and then that night, uh, met in this elder's home for dinner. And all of the same group basically was there, and one elder talked about how he had become a Christian. We heard the story. They were in Germany in military. He He and his wife both became Christians about the same time there in the military. They were both in the military. And they were talking about how they had become Christians. And you could just see the group kind of lean in listen. They have a minister there. He's a good man. He's been there about 16 years, I think. And they're a church they're dealing, dealing with a whole lot of stuff they have a real outreach to the community and anytime you reach out to the community and you, you, just like with the Lord Jesus and the people around him you got a lot to deal with but one thing I picked up is that they deeply love each other they deeply love each and there is something about just the desire—not just find a minister, but to be the kind of church that the minister that you desire would want. And that begins with you. Begins the ball. Well, we need to stop. I think I heard a ding, buzz, whatever that was, and which means we're done. What I'm going to do uh, in just a minute is. Uh, talk a little bit about the shepherd's voice will be out of John King's uh, Bible there. Uh, I told uh, the search committee, I think I told the elders, I did tell the elders this yesterday, I am just happy to be as helpful as I can be with you as a church. And uh, uh, you know, Dr. Hufford was here a few weeks ago and he feels the same way. And anyway, just thank you so much for allowing me to be here see some people I hadn't seen in a long time, and also to to, uh, just teach and preach.